Hello, everybody. This is uh, Ben Kitchings, and I'm the History Voyager, and I'm here with Ricardo. Say your last name, please. Yeah, man. Ricardo Avilas Avilas, a.k.a. Rico. Cool. I'm going to call you Rico. Rico, <laughs> you had told me you have an organization that, that fights, I'm going to say it right, human trafficking. Uh, kind of, kind of, sort of, I am, yeah, no, 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 I'll I'll explain a little better people. This is a very common thing that people think that I do. And it's, it's, uh, it's interesting because, uh, what I do is I am a certified Spanish translator and interpreter, Mm -hmm. and I've been doing this for a very long time, 10 years Mm -hmm. plus, and I have a business and the name of my business is called language ninja solutions. Uh, there's a okay. funny story behind that that we can get into it also, but what what I uh, specialize in during my time doing um, translations on my own um, was I got in I got the opportunity to help out human trafficking victims, sex trafficking victims, um, a lot of a lot of that sort of world that a lot of people. I've actually had people tell me that that doesn't happen. Uh, that only happens in movie. Believe it or not, I've had people tell me that, and I kind of just have to give them the good old Midwestern, oh, bless your heart, sweetie, because uh, I just don't. <laughs> yeah, you know, see, you get it. You get it. Um, uh... I, don't, I don't really get into it with people because I, I hate to say it, but sometimes I feel like ignorance is bliss. And uh-huh. I was also very unaware of how wild this world was like I knew there was crazy stuff that happened because you know I served in Iraq and I worked with uh some three-letter agencies that you know you did we did a little bit of drug work as an interpreter and as a as an intern um so like I knew crazy and bad things happened mm-hmm. I just never could fathom why would someone do that to a kid you know okay. uh, and that's that's pretty much like my uh-huh. introduction sort of say into that world if if that answers your question i mean i've heard of um people getting kids to to be like their house whatever you know basically a slave a modern day slave to to uh do their housework or whatever so I, I've so, heard of so that. yeah that's interesting you say that so that's actually um so human trafficking, and, and mm-hmm. I want to get this right because I teach this to interpreters on a regular basis, and I'm mm. trying to pull up my notes, and I completely apologize. I'm so embarrassed. But human trafficking is basically when you um, unwillfully, uh, you know, by using force, by promising mm. something like, uh, what's the word, uh, coercion. Or mm-hmm. by lying to someone, like committing a fraud, mm-hmm. I believe is the word, um, to obtain some type of labor or commercial sex act. And by commercial sex act, the, the reason it's defined like that, to my understanding, is because nowadays we have pornography. Like we have, um, you know, mm-hmm. we have websites like the Pornhubs and the Brazzers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that is considered adult entertainment under the eyes of the law. This is how it's been explained to me. If someone... Here's a better definition and wants to give me a better one. I will gladly take it, you know, mm-hmm. um, and commercial sex act is basically is when you, um, like I said, being forced, coerced, 
or fraudulently uh, doing, you know, sex, uh, having sex for uh, commercially, or you are trying to do something. I've actually heard of uh, a lot of uh, Eastern European countries that that's been mm -hmm. that's happened a lot. I actually met a federal agent years ago that he had a, a dude that was in the army that he he had this this young lady that was um they got her, they they she lived with them and i'm probably gonna butcher the story but i'm gonna give it to you because it's interesting and it'll go into mm -hmm. what we're talking yeah, about go ahead. um she basically was like their their housemate is what they would say but in reality oh. she was their their sex slave like okay. him and his wife would have a way with her uh and that's one of the things that you see uh it's not, to my knowledge, I'm not aware which one's the most common. I normally tend to speak from experience or from what I've done. And so these these guys, they were in the they were in the U.S. military, and they just had. Yep. I guess were they off base or? Well, I I don't know the details, but okay. uh, I think okay. your your shock comes more from like the military does that. Like, yeah, there's a lot of. I was an MP in the military. I was a 31 Brown military policeman. Okay. Yeah. And. I can tell you stories from dudes hiding drugs and taking them, people okay. taking testosterone supplements, like abusing. Let mm -hmm. me let me rephrase that: abusing uh, testosterone or HGH mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. hormonal growth uh, treatment, and people also uh, exchanging quick pro quo, uh, this for that, exchanging sexual mm -hmm. favors for for a lot of things. Uh, the military is no exception, man. I mean, I I wasn't necessarily shocked. I mean, I'm I uh, I've done oral histories before where I talked with uh, people uh, mm. who went to Vietnam, and one, oh. one right, yeah, right, yeah. I've interviewed. I haven't interviewed a Vietnam vet, but I did not know. Yeah, I don't want to say the debauchery, but like it was how wild. much. Yeah, it was wild. Essentially, like, like it shit. was wild. It was like there was no drug testing. I'll put it that well, way for your listeners. Well, not only was there no drug testing, but during the, I forget the, the years, right? But mm -hmm. during like the ramp up or not the ramp up, but the like the sustained push that we're just going to have lots and lots of people in Vietnam, okay? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, as much red tape as you had to go through, at the end of the day, there was like, there was actually only like one or two or three or four people that had to clap eyes on you to make sure you were a person. Like had to actually look at you and make sure you were who you said you were and everything was on the up and up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a, uh, that was very common also. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, the, the drug use, the, the prostitution. Oh, but so I, I had a, somebody told me a secondhand story about, or essentially a secondhand story about how a friend of his had a, had a, like an American girl, like he was a GI and he brought his girlfriend over to uh, some city in Vietnam, be it Saigon or whatever, whatever it was. I think I know where this is going. Right. Well. But they had an apartment. The weirdest yep. thing was they had like an apartment or something. Yep. Uh, this is it, all it's hard to fathom. Like exactly. it's, it's it's really hard to it, fathom, especially for me because like yeah, 
you know, I went into the military. I joined the military straight out of Puerto Rico because that's where I'm originally from. I was born, raised, and educated. And when I joined in 2008, it was a different animal. Like, our drill sergeants, they didn't hit us, but they would tap your forehead with their campaign hat. Like, if you didn't have, like, no matter what, like, if you pissed them off, Uh right, they would just start tapping their campaign hat. And I actually have a (laughs) scar on my forehead from from one of those events because I had a mouth on me. You know what I'm saying? And... Dude, like the level of discipline that mm. that that there that that I had to endure, right. and the level of accountability that you had to endure, but also the problem that I saw was you had a lot of people that got pushed through the ranks. Um, I feel like I grew up too fast because I became a sergeant two years and like seven months, I think seven or two years and seven or eight months, I made sergeant, you know, okay. and like when I graduated basic a month and a half or a month later, I was in Iraq. So like, it, it's really difficult for me to hear these things and be like, oh, wow, that's impossible. But I have friends who are in right now that they're telling me stuff. Nothing as crazy as the Vietnam, but they're telling me things that I'm like, bro, if I would have done that, I would have, I would have been you know, I would have lost rank or I would have been smoked. You know what I'm saying? Like, like smoked is a term used to when you just make someone do a ton of pushups and whatnot. You smoke the crap out of them. You'll, you'll hear me say that a lot throughout this interview. Yeah. So and, why don't, mm, go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, so why don't we get into like some of your time as an MP? Yeah, man. What would you like to know? Where would you like me to start, sir? Okay, just start wherever you want. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I joined the military corps of the military police regiment, the, mil- the military police regiment, and I swore in two thousand and seven, and then mm. January nine of two thousand and eight, I was at Fort Leonardwood, Missouri, to the forty second AD reception, where I ended up going to Charlie Company from uh, Charlie 787th, which was the battalion, and then the brigade was the 14th Military Priest Brigade. This all makes sense in a minute. Okay. And I joined the MP Corps because my father is, was, he's a retired um, police officer, that he was an attache to uh, a lot of three-letter agencies but most of his work for over 15 years was deep undercover work. And I never knew that until a few years ago. But it's funny because I looked at my paperwork and you have something called like a dream sheet that they ask you, hey, why do you want to join the army? And one of the things that it says is I would like to do undercover work and I would like to help people the same way my father does. Not knowing that my dad had been working undercover for like my entire childhood, you know. And yeah, that's, that's how crazy life is. So I ended up graduating military police school. uh, I think like either end of April, end of May, the dates start to like fade. This is what's funny to me. Uh, Mm -hmm. I remember people telling me like, you'll, you'll start missing dates by like a few days or a few months sometimes as you get older. I'm like, why? They're like, well, you know, somebody like me, like I do a lot of stuff. I've noticed that a lot of times. So now I start writing things down. But after I graduated, I remember very specifically mm-hmm. mid-June, like June 20 or the 25th, I, I was in a in a plane to go to Iraq with 
<laughs> not a lot of training. And we did a lot of good stuff over there. Helped a lot of people, man. Um, mm-hmm. We did what's called PTT, which is police transitioning teams. It's basically where you teach the Iraqi police how to be policemen. You go on uh, search warrants with them. You go on night raids with them. You do detaining operations with them. You teach them how to conduct an interrogation. You teach them how to um, you teach them how to be cops. You know, and you know, uh-huh. I was there for fifteen months. Came back, and when I came back, I started working the road. And the road pretty much is where you patrol like the base, and the amount of fucking madness that you, you you that happens in a military installation is was unfathomable to be at the time. A lot of domestic violence, uh-huh. uh, a lot of uh, a lot of drug abuse, a lot of PTSD incidents. Um, a lot of suicides, man. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of dead kids. Um, had to deal with that a little bit. Um, I was also at Leonardwood when the tornado hit. What? Tor- uh, where yeah. were you? Can you can you tell me where you were? Like what tornado are we talking about? So I'm gonna pull it up here because I can't remember okay. tornado that hit Fort Leonardwood. So I was. There we go, right here. Here we go. Uh, Thursday, Marks. It was in 2010. There it is right there. Um, so I was in my barracks room, and it was this, this happened in December. This tornado hit. Yeah, December 31st. There it is. And I, I never took leave. Like, I just, like, <laughs> you know, if I, if I took leave, it was because I had to because I didn't want to lose it. And I would just stay on base because I was just saving all my money because I didn't know if I was going to stay in or get out, you know. And uh-huh. I remember I was with my friend, um, Sean Davis. Uh, we were in my barracks room in my like my apartment, sort of say. And yeah. Yeah. I, I, I look at the front and it's like completely beautiful. And then when we were like, I had like a pretty big bedroom, like I had like a. Like this is how nice the the the, the BEQs were in Fort Leonard. Were like my bedroom was big enough that I had two couches, and then another section where my bed was. Like that's how that's how spacious these things were. So I threw I threw parties and stuff like that, you know, as you mm-hmm. do when you're in the military. And I I had never seen a tornado at that point. Um, you know, come from Puerto Rico, we have hurricanes. Uh, to me, tornadoes are more fucking terrifying than a hurricane. That's just my personal opinion. I don't know the science. Why, um, I why live, do you say that? That's interesting. Why do you say that? Because, so I lived through two hurricanes. I can't remember the name of the second one, but the first one that I remember was Hurricane George. I was in the island when Hur- Hurricane George hit. I don't know if you recall uh, uh, Hurricane George when it hit uh, Puerto Rico in 1999 or 98, I think. It was, it was... It was a category four. It was it was a Cape a Cape Green category four hurricane that I remember to this day because we we got time to prepare. And dude, when it came in, it was like we didn't have water for a few months. You know, like we didn't have electricity. We couldn't leave like the spot because the roads were still covered with trees and stuff. So, you know, you have time to prepare, and like everybody helps each other out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A tornado just happens. <laughs> Like, like a tornado oh. just 
it's just like, oh man, it's been, you know, I compare a tornado to kind of like when, uh, when my wife gets upset at me, it's just like a switch. It's like one moment she's all right. And then the next moment it's like, all right, cool. We're, you finna find out today, you know, like that's why tornadoes to me are, they are terrifying. And even more, like I did search and rescue in the Joplin tornado, like, like within like a day. I was over there, down there doing search and rescue. I volunteered. And I I remember, like, everything. Like, I remember the smell. I remember, like, seeing the... Seeing the, the, the houses, like, torn the fuck apart, upside down. And, like, yeah, it, it's crazy to me, you know? And another thing is, in Puerto Rico, we build our houses in cement. Not, not, um... Uh, wood and and all that stuff like like they do here in the United States, um, but again that also happens because it's easier to get sand, you know, to make cement you have to have the cement mix, sand, water, and blah 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 blah. So like our houses are like pretty solid. Uh, so we I was there when that happened, and I remember that they they called everybody, man, like anybody who was there, and there was not a single casualty if I recall correctly, because everybody had to report back from leave the next day because it's normal. It's, there's like cycles in the army, you know, kind of like school, I guess it's the best comparison, you know, in school, you have five months on two months off, five months off, two months off, whatever. Right. Um, in the army, everybody has a time that everybody takes leave, which is around the holidays. And on the first, everybody has to be back. So they, I remember them saying like, I was, I was out, I was out like with, with my friend, Sean driving around trying to see what we could do. And uh, it was, dude, it destroyed a shit ton of homes, like, like so many homes. And it was just terrifying. Nobody died. Like, I recall that correctly. Uh, Hopefully I'm right on that. I'll check that later. But it it was always like a passion of mine to, to help, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, moving over here, um, you, when you're on your own, you kind of start to pick up on a lot of things, you know? Because all my family was in Puerto Rico, and I had a few family members in Texas. But, you know, Puerto Rico was, like, the main family that I hung out with. So the other thing was, as an MP, was, you know, English was my second language. Um, But my English, as I don't know if you can tell, like, most people can't even tell that I'm Hispanic. Even when they look at me, I'm I'm pretty pretty white. And I actually used to get uh, made fun of because of that in school, believe it or not. Like... Uh I, I tell that to people all the time. I'm like, I, I've experienced racism. White people, I get it. It's a joke that I have on my, on my when I do comedy, and it's like I used to be made fun of because I was too white. So like, I get it, you know. Huh. Um, and you know, so going back to the MP thing, um, I I ended up going to some schools, made the rank of sergeant, went to Korea, got out, and uh, one of the things that like really stuck with me was like, man, like. I used to think so highly of the military because I I wouldn't think in my innocent mind back then I was like, nobody would do drugs. You know, surely if you're joining and they're drug testing you 24 seven, like, why would you take that risk? That doesn't make sense to me, but man, it was wild. The, the things that people would do. Like I remember when K2, uh, I don't know if you, do you know what K2 is? Ketamine or no, no, no. K2 is a synthetic drug. It's like a synthetic marijuana, n- not like Delta nine, Delta aid and stuff like that. Okay. Um, it's a synthetic marijuana that you inhale or you can smoke 
uh, I've seen people inhaler smoke same thing. I'm sorry, snort is what I meant to say. That sounded ridiculous. Okay. Um, and it's it causes hallucinations and rage, and we it, it was legal for a little while, and military people were using it, and then it became illegal, and it was it was honestly like an epidemic on base. Because people were still using it and getting away with it because we didn't have a way to drug test for it. So uh, it, it was it was very clear to me that, like, you know, there's problems everywhere in the world. You know, even the, the best, to my opinion, one of the best institutions. And I say that because the military, there's a regulation for everything. There's a rule for everything. Like, even how to tie your fucking shoes. There is a, a, a regulation, a book. Like, I'm not shooting you. It's called 670-1. I'm, and I think it was chapter three, and I forgot what paragraph it was um, back when I was in. Because I had someone tell me one time that my bootlaces were put in correctly. And I was like, I did not know that was a thing. And they're like, the fuck it is. And I'm like, all right, cool. And that's where I found that out. So I got out of the military and... um. Well, before I got out, funny story, I had a I had taken the DLPT, the Defense Language Proficiency Test for Spanish, uh, and regularly I would take training and stuff like that because we would run into individuals that needed uh, a Spanish speaker. And I remember in Korea one time we arrested two dudes that were out with Juicy Girls. Uh, Juicy Girls uh, is a very promiscuous woman. Um. And we caught them because I overheard them saying in Spanish, just tell them that you're Puerto Rican and show them your Puerto Rican ID. They're not going to think to ask for a military ID. That's why I told you we hide our military IDs in our crotch. And I looked at him and I said in Spanish, really, that's interesting. I never thought of that. And the dude looked like he almost shit himself. (laughs) So I got out of the military. And then when I got out, uh, that's when I started like doing some other things. Uh, I started jujitsu and I started doing like a bunch of other stuff, but that's basically like my story there with the, uh, do, you know, my tenure with the military and why I joined the military police. So, okay. Were you undercover with the military police or? No, not, not directly. Unfortunately, what I did do was I had assisted in, in certain operations where there was a UC, an undercover. When I got out of the military, I was part of a, a narcotics unit that performed wiretaps and they did a bunch of other stuff okay. when I got out and I was an intern. And I was also, my my language skills okay. were also utilized there. All right. Okay. Um. So how... Okay, so you so your language skills is what segued you into the human traffic or the people fighting human trafficking. Um, so I guess you started a business where. So first of all, tell me about your business. Oh, it's it's a it's an LLC, uh, and it's called Language Ninja Solutions. And basically, it's I'm the owner, and I normally teach people how to become interpreters. I do some classes, um. Mm-hmm. It's been pretty dead. It's been pretty dead since COVID. Uh, the interpreting world's taking a pretty big hit on on work wise. Why do you say that? I would think it'd be more. 
No, unfortunately, no. Like in my in my experience and speaking with a lot of interpreters, um, some have had good luck. Some have had good luck. Um, like my video gaming interpreters that I know, they they've made good money. You know, they they've had work, you know, and like our work is work that can be done remotely, you know, and okay. I always say that inter a good interpreter is someone that is naturally curious and is not money driven. Okay. And I say that because I've met good and famous interpreters and most okay. of them, I know for a fact, cause I have mentors that they even forget to like bill people. So like interpreters, we're just naturally curious people. Okay. And, and we seek a lot of, a lot of knowledge is what drives us a lot. All right. Um, but I think hmm. the way that I ended up getting into human trafficking cases, which I think that was going to be your next question, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was when I started my company, um, I, I wasn't really getting a lot of cases and I didn't really know how to, like, I, I was, a, I was a pretty good interpreter but I didn't understand business. I didn't understand how to do business. I didn't mm -hmm. understand how to like call somebody and like ask them how, if they need an interpreter, like the business side of it. And to this day, I'm very, I'm, I'm not very good at it. Uh, mm -hmm. Hopefully someday I can hire someone and they can make, help me make a lot of money because a lot of times I had, I had a lot of cases that um mm -hmm. over time as people began to know that i was like the guy to come to um there was a lot of people that they didn't have money and they were generally like very broke because they've been fighting you know this domestic violence case or they've been fighting whatever whatever thing that i ever helped them with you know i would just do it for free and <laughs> i ended up losing my marketing guy because i did that so much and i just didn't have the the heart to to ask them for money you know mm -hmm. um so what ended up happening was uh, I got called one time from a county here in Missouri, um, mm -hmm. and they pretty much had indicated that they needed an interpreter for uh, social services, you know, children's division. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. Like, this is how much I am per hour, you know? I think at the time I was like 30 bucks an hour, you know? And okay. I... Um, I ended up getting a call and I start sitting down in these meetings and I'm sitting down in various meetings interpreting, right? It wasn't like a one-time deal. Um, mm -hmm. And I end up realizing like, cause you know, you keep notes and stuff like that. Cause you're interpreting, when you're interpreting, you, you're kind of just there. You can't really talk to me. You can't really say anything. And I don't say anything. Like I kind of look like, um, you ever seen like uh, uh, the really, really smart kids, uh, the, like they sit in the corner, not, not, a, a um, mm. autistic kids. It's like, we had a guy in my school. I say that cause we had a guy in my school that he was very, very intelligent, but he always sat by himself in the corner. He was never made eye contact. You're and that's just sort of there. Yeah. He's just, you're, he's there, but he's like completely yeah. there, you know? And like, you're he's sort of, in, I mean, I used mm. to translate, uh, German into English. So yeah, I mean, I get it. It's like you're you're translating concepts. Yes, and you're right? the, the the main like, purpose 
of an interpreter is to, to get the message that is given mm-hmm. as close of a definition that you know of possible. Exactly. Now, there's times, obviously, that you have colloquialisms, you know, and this is when mm-hmm. when you hear people say, oh, you sound Mexican or you sound um, Dominican or, hey, you sound Puerto Rican. People take offense to that. But the reality is, like, I've been doing this enough that, like, I know, like, the lingo because I'm in this so much that, like, when I talk to somebody and this is actually a game that we play, uh, we used to play uh, when we'd go to bars. And we'd meet somebody and like one of the guys mm. is trying to pick up like a chick. Uh, I, I, you know, he'd start talking. I'd be like, oh, you're from this country. And she's like, holy shit. Yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. No problem. Because uh, you start learning like the words, like there's different ways, kind of like mm. Mm. and um, kind of like in certain parts of the country, they say soda. And in other parts, they yeah. say pop. Right. And here we say Coke. And, the, and that was the third thing. The third thing is they say Coke. Well, what kind of Coke? Oh, I got Sprite. Oh, okay. That's what you mean. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's the same in the the Hispanic community, except it's even crazier. Right? Well, like, I understand like Cuban, like Cuban Spanish, I understand is a lot older. It's a lot, uh, you know, it's almost from the Middle Ages, what I understand. Say that again. I couldn't hear you there. I I understand like Cuban Spanish, like Spanish speaking Cuba. Is almost uh, from the Middle Ages, almost. I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for that, but that's a really good question. I'll actually mm. get back to you with that because that's, I know, yeah. I know, let me write that down. That's a really good, and I'm sorry that I don't have an answer at this time, but <laughs> I know for a fact I'll have an answer for you. Yeah, I don't know. I, I used to watch, um, back when he was alive, uh, I was a big Anthony Bourdain fan. Oh, man. And, uh, I, I, dude, don't get me started. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. I do inspired. He, we, you know, he took the camera somewhere. So we went to I don't know where we, where it was. Uh, we, the TV show, went mm-hmm. somewhere, and he said uh, they were talking to these people, and they said, "Well, Cuban Spanish is a lot more formal." Oh, formal. Yeah, uh, I would say I would say so. Yeah, it's very, um, madam, sir. You know, young lady, so to yeah. speak. Um, in essence, yes, that that I can attest to. Um, okay. okay, because because the way what people don't understand, and and I I actually said this on a podcast years ago. It's not about nationality. It's not about um, Caribbean versus Mexicans versus this. It's culture, right? Okay, okay. I can, like it, and this is the best way I can describe it. And okay. and and I always I always use this analogy because when I get interviewed, I always have people like, "Well, isn't it race? Like, it's not a matter of race; it's a matter of culture, right?" I know what mm. it's like to live in an island that it's never below seventy, or I'm sorry, below sixty-eight on average, right? Never below mm. that year long. It doesn't snow, and you, the beach is is a public beach, and it's a hundred by thirty. By the way, Puerto Rico is one hundred by thirty. And miles by 30 miles. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Very, very tiny. Very, very compact. Very compact. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I, I, I get a picture. And before, uh, before that hurricane a few years back, it was basically 4 million people, something like that. 
I think I think we're down to two point seven. I saw in the last census, either two point or three point or three, something like that. Yeah, man, it's it's um, yeah. There's a lot of bad things in Puerto Rico, man. Unfortunately, there's a lot of corruption, and 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 just like for context, like my city, like my metro area is. Let's see. I want to. I want to say the right number. Well, according okay, the 2020 census, six million eighty nine thousand eight hundred and fifteen. Jesus Christ! Yeah, six million. <laughs> to give you context of where I come from, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so that's like three times or three times the size of Puerto Rico today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. here. It's pretty tiny. It's pretty tiny, man. It's pretty tiny. And what's crazy to me is that uh, it's it's very different, man, growing up. Like the culture and the 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 principles, everything is like very, very different, you know? Like yeah. me growing up, like I wouldn't dare to like talk back to my parents. My parents would slap the shit out of me. Like I would the, – the brown would come off. Let's put it that way. <laughs> like if they hit me, the brown would come off of me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and and you know, it's a very um, male heavy culture. You know what I'm saying? Like the dudes are dudes. You know, and they mm-hmm. they provide or whatever. Um, can't can't have a weapon unless you're police, military. You have a special exemption, and it's honestly a bitch to get. Um, lot of rampant corruption lot of rampant corruption so in puerto rico you can't have a weapon unless you're police yeah can't it's kind of like california you have to have a special permit and those special permits it's like there's there's specific like you know gun shop owners um retired people and stuff like that like you have to have a, a permit to pretty much carry a weapon so you can have a weapon if you're retired, but you can't have you're a retired military, retired cop, and you still have to apply for it. By the way, you, oh. you still have to apply for for your credentials to carry. Oh, okay. But I thought, yeah. like in this country, we have like the the Second Amendment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let me let me tell you something funny that happened to me years ago. Okay. But man, and this is how how crazy it is, right? I was right. Uh, last time I went to Puerto Rico when I was coming back. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you the short version. They, okay. they, they, I always get randomly selected to go through, um, like a different inspection, you know, which is, it's because of my middle name. I would assume, I don't know if it's true, but I always assume it's so, why it's that. Yeah. Cause your middle, my middle name is Abdel. Like, oh, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Right. That'll do it. So, uh, this one time, like they stopped me and I'm like, all right, cool. Here we go. And he goes, Hey man, I need, I need to see your, your gun license. And I almost laughed. Because I live in Missouri, where it's constitutional carry. Like, all you need is a driver's license from the state. Unless you have, like, another state, like, we honor it, right? So, like, everybody carries. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody carries in Missouri. Everybody. 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 Everybody carries in Missouri, you know? And I was bemused that he asked me that because I was like, I don't have one. He goes, yeah, you do. I need to see it. And I was like dude what are you talking about to me he was on a fishing expedition uh in law enforcement that's what it's called is when you like you think you have something and you're like you know what i think i have enough that i can fuck with the person to try to get something going you know yeah. what i'm saying you go on a fishing expedition yeah. and i was like dude what are you talking about he's like well there's gunpowder residue 
in one of your bags. And it was one of like my old military bags. And I was like, it was also my, my range bag, but I hadn't been to the range in like years. And I was like, man, that's kind of weird, you know? But I was like, well, hey, I can explain that. Uh, when I'm back home, I go shooting. They go, yeah, to go shoot, you need a, you need a gun license. And I go, no, dude, because I live in America. This is exactly what I said. I said, no, dude, because I live in America, okay, where we have like the first, second, third, fifth, all those amendments. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. <laughs> the dude just looked at me. He goes, plus, sir, please step right over here. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> so a couple so hours I'm- later, they ended up letting me go. <laughs> So obviously, like you're talking to me. So I mean, you're you're not. No, 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 no. And to my knowledge, I'm not in a no fly list or anything. You know, you know, you find out. You only find out when you go when you go to board. That's the only time that you'll find out if you're on a no fly list. I actually know some people that were on a no fly list, and they had to take care of it and whatnot. And it was pretty wild. But yeah, that's for. No, was that ahead. for uh, January 6th, or was that something else? Uh, no, these people were, like, for years ago. Oh. Years ago. I haven't been paying attention to, like, how many people. I think I think there was a few people from Missouri that were caught up in that in that mm-hmm. uh, whole situation. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But, no, uh, and that's my knowledge. But All right. I always, so, I always say that uh, wait, it's just weird. All right. So let's sort of bring it back on the beam. Yeah, yeah. Although I could honestly talk to you for, I don't know, hours. But <clears throat> let's bring it back on the beam, though. So, yeah. what's that? What's your uh, okay? What's your prototypical human trafficking case that you Rico would encounter in the capacity? Uh, so a very typical case that involves the the smuggling and or smuggling or trafficking of a person right okay where you move them from one point to another that's like 101 what's what is human trafficking okay right Um, i mean i i know what that is but well no no, i'm just saying it for the audience yeah yeah (laughs) yeah um and what the typical thing that we encounter is that there's always someone that notices something that would make a call that would set in motion things that then someone would go ask some questions and then enough enough information was um was uh uh was uh how do i say this was obtained that we said yeah. okay like hey like this we think that this person's being trafficked and i think you know because you have to have probable cause you know you have to like there's a lot of things that come involved from the law enforcement side man, so that- what are some okay so let's I'm trying to help people. So what are some things people would notice? Like what 100%. Some- that's a that's a very good question. Yeah. Um I always tell people when I when I talk about this, I always start with this. It's just knowing your environment. Like if you know your town, like I know my town pretty well. You know, like okay. I know when when somebody seems out of whack and also comes from like working in law enforcement, you know, I like to watch people. So like I know when something seems like weird, right? Let's say okay. you see uh, an 82-year-old man with uh, all dressed up in a suit and like a completely out-of-place setting with this girl that's all dolled up, and the girl looks like she's probably 10, you know? Um, okay. Hotels. Hotels is, is a big one. 
hotels, I I wish I could somehow have a program where I could teach hotels some preventative measures or some things that they could do to help victims. Because the problem is, is a lot of these things are are very um, reactive. There's not a lot of things proactive. So I always so tell what's, people. Um, mm-hmm. um, so what's some things you'd want to tell a hotel? Man, ha- have like a flyer, man. I wish they would just do a flyer where it's like, kind of like, you know, like McDonald's has this thing where it's like the, the safe house, right? Safe house people, like they, they get training on human trafficking. If, if I'm if I'm correct, I'm pretty sure on that. Because uh, I actually had a case that came from someone called from a safe house. They they saw the sign that said, this is a safe house for da-da-da-da-da. And like this person told the lady on the counter, like, hey, I need, I need to be in a safe house. And they made a phone call. I ended up getting called. I translated. And then we knew from there, like, hey, the cops are coming, you know, and I got, you know, started to work. But normally it's just looking at your environment, you know. Uh, a lot of times you'd be amazed it, when it comes to like stuff that comes from across the border, so to speak, you know, like from Ecuador, uh, Mexico, Colombia, El Salvador, um, stuff like that, man, that's mm-hmm. been that, 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 that person has gotten through so many steps from the system that the system isn't even aware because it happens so much and it's so rampant that a lot of people don't realize it so like when it comes to like to my level you know uh it, it, there's been it, there's been an there's been a lot of issues that hasn't been addressed and a lot of times there's like sex involved you know whether there's sex act involved with the minors and stuff like that um mm. or with the person and a lot of times it's used coercively like hey man like you know you live under this roof You know what I'm saying? Like, since you live under this roof, you got to go make me money. And a lot of times it's, it's very easy to like look around you and just ask people how they're doing. You know, Uh, a lot of the traffickers, they don't want to, they don't want to interact with people, people who are out trafficking, like they're very controlling. Um, They, they can be very controlling. They can be very manipulative. I've seen people who seem very nice. To people who are like, yeah, you fit like the T. Like if there was a cartoon uh, about human trafficking, you would be the guy. Like you would you would be like the stereotypical dude that's like serious, you know, looks out of place, uh, is like grabbing the kid, is like screaming at the kid and pulling on her hair. Like very like like like, uh, you know, out of out of order things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone. If you think that somebody needs help, there's there's organizations out there that uh, that that know uh, about this. Um, you know, like Freedoms Rest is one. It's an organization here in in, in Missouri that uh-huh. helps uh, battered women. And there was a lot of cases that it was like you had said, like, oh hey, I'll marry you, but you got to clean my house and you have to do this and you have to do that. And if not, I'm a fucking take you back, you know, and blah, 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 and this and that. And it ended up, you know, people ended up getting charged with trafficking. Cause what about, um, here's the, here's the thought I have. Mm-hmm. What about people like maybe from, you know, young folks from maybe smaller towns 
they're whatever, not even smaller towns, just young folks that get taken advantage of by older people. And like like you were saying, you kind of alluded to earlier, a lot of people don't even realize this even goes on. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is, you know, in the day and age of, uh, what do they call that show? Uh, Law and Order uh, SVU. Yeah, Law and Order has a lot of good episodes that, that yeah. hit hit um they really hit and actually it's funny you say that because like one of the the bucket list things that i have is i'd like to be an extra on that show as myself just as an interpreter that helps on a human trafficking case because i just think that would be so badass well i (laughs) I mean throwing that out in the universe you know (laughs) well you know i mean honestly though when you think about it right think about it yeah there's just it's like You know, you can hear about something all your life. You can hear about something for years. Mm-hmm. But when you see it, like when it's in front of you. Yeah. Like it's a it's little, it, there's a, well, not only is it shocking, but there's a little more, like you have to connect into your head that this is what's happening. It's not that. It's it's not that. Yeah. Here's the deal. And I'll tell this to you because I've had people tell me this. And over the years, like when someone, when people react to a certain way, when I'm talking, I know where they're at mentally. Right. I always tell okay. people, um, you have to understand that there's people out there and, and I hate saying this because people always make fun of me for this, but I'm going to continue saying it. You have to understand that there's people out there that genuinely just want to see the world burn. Like that's not mm. an exaggeration. Like there's genuinely people that just don't really give a fuck. And they'll do whatever they can for them to survive, even if they have to kill, even if they have to do horrible, unspeakable things or manipulate people with their kids or manipulate people with their – because I've seen cases like that where the the parents did that Um, or manipulate people with with drugs or manipulate people with with lying or just manipulate people in general. That's why I say like in the beginning like it's forced, coerced into or fraudulently lied to or whatever – um, because this happens so often, like it, it happens so often. And a lot of times it's not even the small, small towns, it's the, the hubs. So when mm-hmm. I say hubs, it's like metropolitan areas where you can get in and out on any, on any, um, major highway. You know, if you got a place where, where there's a population of, you know, at least over 70,000, I would say. Right. With major mm-hmm. highways connecting like four, let's say three highways connecting, you know, man, like you're you, you have pretty good chances of bringing in people or getting out if things go hairy um, from a multitude, multi, multitude of ways. You know what I'm saying? And at that yeah. point, that's on the law enforcement side. So the thing is, is like a lot of places is is a lot of like frontline defense, I would say, is like hotels. um, Hotels, restaurants, um, places like that, that they interact with people and they, and they people watch. You know what I'm saying? Like places like that, that's where you're going. Who people watches? Like the traffickers or like the... No, no, no. Waiters. Waiters by nature are people like... I've never met someone who's been a waiter or worked in the food industry for more than five years that could not like look at someone and read them pretty well. 
is what I'm getting at. And I, 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 mm-hmm. I, I, I unfortunately like to eat. Um, so like I, I always make friends with the waiters where I go to places. And like, that's one thing I've noticed over my years is that dude, waiters are people watchers and like, they'll yeah. notice things. And like, that's another like uh front line of the fence um, to avoid, you know, these people, you know, getting further and further away because it, it's like I said, man, it's those hubs. It's those hubs, dude. Like that's, that's where a lot of cases come from. It's just mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so what about, so, so the, I guess the organization or the, the police call you and you're, you're the, you're the translator and things like that. I, so what used to happen was, is I used to have, I used to have a contract with uh, various organizations where they would utilize my interpreting services. And it just so happened that one case after another, after another, and then one attorney after another, they end up going, Hey, you need an interpreter. Oh, it's something serious. Hey, this is the guy, you know, I no longer do them because, uh, I feel like the, the last few ones that I had really, um, really affected me. And I just don't do them anymore. I still get emails and stuff like that. Nowadays, what I do is I just educate people on stuff like this and interpreters specifically. And now I'm starting to do like these little webinars and stuff like that with, um, like Facebook for like the community and stuff like that, because, you know, I got one going on on June 24th, uh, from seven to eighth and it's pretty much covering like the stuff that we're talking about now, you know, let me, let me just throw something out. Yeah. Um, so I've I've done some podcasts where I've talked to, uh, teachers anonymously and, I have, you know, friends that have daughters and things, and Mm -hmm. I've talked to some women about this and stuff. And I even kind of alluded to it on a a podcast I just put out, like, literally a couple hours ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think as a culture, as a society, I don't think we've dealt with the fact that you now have free pornography that you never used to have. Yeah, no, we haven't. And that's a, it's funny you say that because I was just talking with somebody about this. Yeah. That's so fucking crazy. Cause I was literally talking to a friend of mine. Yeah. He goes, man, like I have, I have this issue and I'm like, what's the issue? He goes, I just, I just want, I just rather watch that than like go out and whatnot. Well, and it's, it's, it's a problem. That's my a problem. thought is like, my thought is honestly, like, I mean, talking to some friends of mine with some daughters and whatever is is like it's just it allows for an element to creep into you know middle school boys or and they just grow up with it Mm -hmm. and they don't really realize i mean they don't you know it normalizes certain certain things uh yeah it I, I agree with you in the extent of I know what you're trying to say is like yeah, there's yeah, certain yeah. things that are that are being normalized um in the right. world that is I wouldn't say it's desensitizing people because I think that if they were desensitized when they find out the truth they wouldn't be so shocked because I've seen this I've seen I don't it. know if desensitized or not but like I talked to a uh, 
I don't know what this job is, but it's like the not the dentist, but the the like the the person that helps the dentist. I don't know what that's called. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that like a lot of girls now have all sorts of messed up things with their teeth that they wouldn't have had before. And it's from doing various sex acts. And she says, well, the way that happens is online. The way this, this comes into being is online. And to hear you talk about human trafficking, etc. The thing I keep thinking is this is really the tip of an iceberg. Oh, yeah. This, know, is, this, is, this is a problem a... that um, yeah, in order to, to solve this, and I've thought about this for many years and i think the i came to this conclusion in order to solve it 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 has to be taught and it has to be talked about because if not then what happens is that if you don't have the knowledge of what might what could be then you remain with the you remain with the ignorance of eh, whatever, yeah. you know, that's the thing. And that's why I try yeah. to like educate people as much as possible because, you know, I only did this for like a few years, like three, four years. Mm. And it was constant. Like I remember when I was first dating my wife, I didn't, I didn't tell her about it. Yeah. I mean, I just told yeah. her I was an interpreter and right. there were nights that I would come and I would just sit outside and just like smoke a cigar. And just sit outside until like one in the morning trying to sleep, you know. And um, I I ended up realizing like, oh, like I thought I'd seen some bad shit in Iraq, you know. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I I I know that worse shit happened, you know. And I'm I'm super aware of that. My problem is is that, man, like it's kids, you know. This is happening mm. to kids. And like yeah. to me, a kid isn't guilty of of jack shit, you know, like because they don't know. And it's right. like for you to do that to someone like that, like it's just it, it's just something that people just need education on, because if you can see it and again, you know, that you're always going to have people that they go over the top and you're always going to have people that underplay it and <laughs> bless their souls. But. Uh, at least you have the knowledge, you know, eventually it'll, it'll, it'll click, you know, eventually it'll hit. Cause I've had people that didn't believe this happened and then ended up calling me, um, you know, years later, it's like, Hey man, I was working at a hotel, you know, to throw an example, I was working at a hotel and this girl came up and gave me a note and it said, help me. I'm being trafficked. And he was like, you know, we had a talk and, and I've had that similar situation happen hundreds of times with the, a similar scenario you know i've had that happen hundreds of times that's why i say hotels that's exactly why i say i'd like to like work with hotels because it, 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 it if, if i'm seeing something happen and i'm nobody right i'm a nobody and i'm seeing it happen hundreds of times how many countless of times am i missing how many countless of times are the ones that i i haven't that someone didn't catch that i didn't hear about yeah, and that can and that can lead to paranoia. A hundred percent, it can. But the problem is that it is happening, and people just yeah. don't 
don't want to come to the realization, you know? Um, and it's weird, man. It's like really weird because, uh, I, I didn't, I never thought years ago that somebody would talk to me about this stuff, you know, that somebody would want to listen to it, uh, a very redacted version of it. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. So you never thought people would want to hear this? Uh, no, not until I met Steve. Like, Wait, not, back, not hang until on. I met Steve. Back up a minute. Like, yeah, yeah. All the crime on TV, like all the murder shows on TV, all the. How long has this for you been on the air? I mean, even before that, I mean, what uh, the was problem that? I have, the thing is, is, I don't watch none of that stuff. Like, yeah. I, 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 that's another issue I have that, yeah. believe it or not, is I don't, I'm not, I don't really watch a lot of TV. Like I read a lot, oh. spend a lot of my time. What do you read? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I'm trying to learn sign language and perfecting my Portuguese. And I read. Protect, perfecting your what? I didn't hear my that. Portuguese. Portuguese. Yeah, okay. Portuguese. Brazilian oh. Portuguese. Um, All right, cool. I'm trying to get certified in that. And then I'm trying to get good at sign language. And then I have a daughter, so I spent a lot of my time with her teaching her stuff and whatnot. And that's a full-time job. It just strikes Um, me that one of the things that really does strike me about America, like mm -hmm. the television diet of America, is like we like crime a lot. This country like watches crime shows a lot. You know, Mm -hmm. honestly, like. And you really think about it, like, I get it, like, those are easy to write. It's, it's not easy to write them, but it's easier to write the, that than maybe some other stuff. You know, I get it. But No, I know, time, I know, like, I know what you're saying. It's just, it's yeah. one of those things that um, I don't think it's so much desensitization. Uh, desensitizing someone i think it's more of like that's tv like that would never happen those crazy writers and then i'm sitting here like i know steve was like dude you got to write a book about this you got to like contact some people about this yeah man ain't nobody want to hear about this and then i started seeing like like i got i got interviewed one time at a a show um called ozark morning ozark something like that and we're, we're pre-interview, right? And, you know, this, this show yeah. gets thousands of, like, a lot of people watch that show, you know? And I'm I'm sitting there, and, like, it's it was, like, a two-minute or five-minute interview, something like that, man. And the guy goes, before we start the interview, he goes, oh, yeah, because it was for, like, a thing called One Million Cups. I had presented my business at a, at a One Million Cups, and they were like, hey, this this TV show saw it. And we we work with them and they'd like to interview you. They're interested in you. And I was like, yeah, cool. No problem. Not knowing like how big like from th- them were our like everything changed a lot. Like a lot of people knew me more. Um, and like I remember the guy was like, yeah, you know, like when you're young and stuff like that, it must be difficult doing public speaking and stuff like that. It's nerve wracking, you know, it's like especially at your age, you want to say something inspirational. And he's like, doesn't that happen to you? Isn't that difficult? How do you get over that? And I was like, that's not difficult. He's like, well, what do you think is more difficult than that? Public speaking. It's like, that's like the number one phobia. And I looked at him and I went, interpreting for a, interpreting for a human trafficking victim is a little more nerve wracking than that. And I literally, you could hear a pin drop in the fucking studio. <laughs> and and my publicist, my publicist, I'm sorry, my, my marketing guy 
was taking a video of it and you hear him like when as soon as i say that you hear him go oh no <laughs> so so like yeah i mean like i never i never really thought that people would be interested i mean shit like i, I didn't think people would be interested when i started a podcast and like you know <laughs> here i am with thousands of downloads a month now and that's just starting you know we just hit our one year mark so it's like I I I'm very I'm a very bad judge of myself. I would say I judge what, myself. Um, what's the name of your podcast? Uh, Rico Podcast. What do you What do you talk about on your show? Um, man, we just talk about life, <laughs> and we talk to celebrities, and we talk about yeah. current events. It's mo- it's it's mostly funny because me and my my yeah. co-host, uh, we're also comics, so like yeah. you know we found we found a way to be able to communicate. Uh, not communicate. I'm sorry to be able to put out content in a way that we both love and that it just, it, it's gotten wild. Like we've had Tommy Chong, we've had Larry Hankin, we've had a samurai historian that is on a show on Netflix. Um, we've had, yeah, Larry, you've had, you've had some of these people, man. Um, yeah. Jeffrey Mark, Ruta Lee, like all these people. And it's like, it's been really fun. It's just, it's just been really fun to be able to do that. I, you know, I, I like being a podcaster myself. Let me, um, what's okay. You say your name is Rico podcast. Yeah. Rico podcast is the name. Of- Let me ask you this. What yeah. do you think? Do you think this is the human trafficking stuff? Do you think that's getting more or is it that we're becoming aware of it or is it, what's the deal? What do you mean? In what sense? I'm not understanding. Like, you do I think that we're becoming more aware of it, or, do, or what? Do you think like we're becoming more aware of human trafficking, or do you think like what's getting the there? Interest in it we're 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 getting there, man. We're getting there because yeah. Uh, what what shed it to the light, in my opinion, was the the whole Jeffrey Epstein thing. Like I think people were into it before. I think not into it's not the right word, but. Uh, no, people it. knew. People knew. Like people, people. Some people knew, but they just didn't. It wasn't something that was like on their radar, you know. Yeah. It, it was just something like they just people. People really don't pay attention to to what's around them, man. That's one thing that I notice a lot. Like you know, I have friends who have like social anxiety and stuff like that, right? And you know, one of the things okay. that they tell them is like, just go out there. Just go out there. Trust me. People aren't really watching you. They really aren't. And I had a friend who like overcame social anxiety. He started coming to jujitsu and he was like, dude, people really aren't observant. I'm like, no, the fuck they're not. Like, The fuck they are not, man. Like people do not look around their environment. They are on their phones or they're in their own little head trying to figure out how they can escape or, you know, a million other things. Like it's crazy to me. Or when you really see it is like, uh, where you really see that is like in parking lots. Oh yeah, that's that's a like, actually a good yeah, that's a, a very good point. Parking lots like, you'll see you'll see like weird stuff because it's honestly, the spot where the kids will probably resist. You know what I'm saying? Trying to get in the car, you'll see it. You know, and yeah. and again, like you pick and choose, right? Because like you know, yeah. I've had times where my kid is like, I don't want to get in the car. I'm like, listen, man, <laughs> listen, listen, my love. Okay, listen, princess. You, you got to calm down, you know, like this is I know what this is going to look like to somebody, you know, 
But at the same time, it's like, you know, people don't pay attention. Like people don't really. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, they don't pay attention, man. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's incredible to me. <laughs> it's just mm. incredible to me how, how little people pay attention, but you know, hopefully with stuff like this, people will start paying attention and things, things will change, you know, hopefully. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the only thing you can really do, I mean, well, not the only thing, but one of the main things you can do is get the word out. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. yeah, yeah, that's, that's literally the, the best thing that, that a person can do. It's like yeah. one of those things. Cause it's like, there's not, there's not much, man. There's not much that's talk. There's not even shows that that uh talk about human trafficking. You know, like there's movies about it. Like you know, the Rambo movie talks about it. the The last Rambo movie that came out, I haven't where, seen where one. his daughter. Well, his daughter is is trafficked. His daughter's trafficked, and he goes okay. and he fucking fucks those people up. You know, like yeah. Okay. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of it in in movies, but people just I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's very it's very weird. It's very very weird. But yeah, hopefully. Oh. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um Well, I mean, yeah. Well, thanks. I mean, thanks for doing this. No, I appreciate you having me, man. This has been people don't normally ask uh, yeah. those type of questions, you know, and it's been well, uh, it's it's been pretty cool. I don't know why not. I mean, I think people are just scared. You know, I think people are are just I, I, I you know, man, this is my opinion. Right. And it's just me. I think yeah. some people would just rather are intelligent enough that they would rather be like, I just rather not know because they once like, it's one of those things like, uh, you yeah. know, once you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like once that, that door's open and once you see it, like, I remember the first time that I saw my, my first case, uh, I, I just like could not believe it. And you know, I'm a, I'm a father now of a daughter and I'm like, a sometimes I, uh, I'm like, mm, you know, I want to know. I want to know who's around my kid, you know, I want to know, you know, what's going on. Cause some things that you see, man, you just can't unsee sometimes, you know, yeah. and that's, that's just the price we have to pay. So. <laughs> yeah. I get it. <laughs> I get it, man. <clears throat> I think a lot of people don't, I think part of it is people are busy. And I think a lot of it, people, like, they don't really want to, you know, it's like, you don't want to step in the beehive. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You don't want to step in the beehive. I, I don't think it's it's as much that. Um, yeah. Because it's like, you got to keep a low profile if you're going to do that type of stuff, you know? Like you don't want to create mm-hmm. attention to yourself because once you create attention to yourself, like that's it, you know, people know, you know what I'm saying? So like, I'm like a very talkative person by nature. 
So, like, if I see something out of hand that's just weird, I'll, like, mm-hmm. walk by and, like, I'll tell a joke or something. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to test the room. And, like, that's one of the things that I love about comedy is that it's helped me be able to, like, have better people skills. Because I've done yeah. that. Like, if I see something out of hand, I see somebody sad or something, don't give a fuck. If I'm out eating or something, I'll just start cracking jokes. And I'm just trying to, like, figure out what is it that's, oh, okay, cool. There you go. Now you're smiling. Um, And, you know, some people, they just, like, nope, they just want to be left alone, you know? So you, you got to, you gotta like, look around you. You have to, like, really look around you, you know? That's the best thing. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I get it. It's always good to have your head on a swivel or yeah, something like absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, and it's it's not paranoia. It's just No. It's just just be aware, you know, be aware what's happening around you, you know. It's uh Yeah. It's it's, you know, It'll 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 get there someday, I think. I I think uh I think someday we'll get there, man. I'm hopeful. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think the main issue that we have to deal with is like we have to talk about it. We have to bring it yeah. out in the open. But also like we have to like, you know, like I live in a, you're talking about a sex trafficking hub. I mean, Atlanta is like a huge <laughs> sex trafficking hub. For yeah. real. Yeah, no, I know. I For real. I, yeah, the ATL. It's the ATL, for, man, you for know? For real. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's a lot of things going on where, you know, people just, like, they don't really want to know. Mm-hmm. And, hmm. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, Rico, uh, thanks. And, uh, hang on the line for me, will you, please? Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. You're welcome. Thank you.